Hello, today I'm talking to Rob. Hiya Rob, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, hello. Um, nice to meet you. Um, my name is Robert Scrag. Oh, well, Rob. The only person who calls me Robert is my publisher and my mum. So let's go with Rob today. Um, I am a, a crime writer based up in the northeast. Um, been a published writer now for four years actually, because I had a Facebook memory pop up today and um, and remind me of some of the kind of the earlier stuff. And um, all my books published so far are part of a series um, with my main characters Jake Porter and Nick Styles. Uh, so police procedural set down in London. Um, although um, the, the next one is going to move away from that um, uh, in, in a little way, but that's, I can't give too many spoilers away in front now. But I live up here with my, my wife and kids and, um, and uh, daft as a brush dog. Been a, a long, long time crime fiction fan, long before I started putting pen to paper and trying to write my own. And that's, that's kind of what got me into what I do now. Um, so that's, yeah, that's it in a nutshell. Did you always want to write? I've always enjoyed it. I don't, I, if I'm being brutally honest, I didn't always see it as a possible career. Because um, I, I still have a day job like a lot of writers do. So I still have a nine to five and I, I write around that. Um, I, if I think back even as far as when I was kind of in my teens at school, I've, I've still got a couple of the short stories and, and kind of poetry and stuff that I used to do then. But I'd never really attempted anything longer, like a full length novel um, until probably early 30s and I'm what 46 now so it, it it was kind of a a long time brewing so to speak and what made you take the plunge and finally go for it it was a, a couple of things really part of it was was just this kind of build up of ideas that I started to get because I'm, I'm sure you know yourself from reading it you get to that point in the book where you think ah I think it was Colonel Mustard in the library with a candlestick type of thing and I get to the end and I wasn't always right. I'm not pretending that I can guess all the endings, but when I found out what actually happened, there was quite a few occasions where I thought, you know what, my idea wasn't half bad. That could work. Nothing is better. It's just different. Yeah, I wonder if that could. So it was a combination of that. And back in 2011, myself and a, a friend of mine, Mick Brown, went and did um, uh, Everest Base. Camp Trek for charity. And I'd known Nick for a few years by this point, and I knew that he was into crime fiction and we liked some of the same authors, but he'd never mentioned before that he'd started writing something as well. And I, I had about a year before that, never went anywhere, three chapters in a drawer somewhere. And he, he said kind of halfway up the Himalayas, we were chatting away on a, on a trek one day, and he said, yeah, I can't remember if I've ever mentioned to you, but I, I, yeah, I started writing a crime book a little while back and I just never got back. I, I should really dig that out again. And that... Uh, it was news to me and I said oh, really you're not going to believe this what a coincidence I started one a year or two ago and yeah I should dig mine out as well um and we're both naturally quite competitive so from then I was sat there thinking right, I've got to finish mine before he finishes his um and that that kind of spurred me on to a degree but it was one of those things once I got back in the in the habit of it it's like anything if it becomes a habit it doesn't it doesn't feel as much of a chore and I just got back in the habit of doing a little bit of writing most, it wasn't every day, but most days. Um, and then it morphed from there to getting um, along to some of these festivals that we're, we're hopefully going to see the return of soon. And start to immerse myself in the whole, the world of crime fiction, really. There's a whole world out there. I had no idea that that kind of thing went on at the time. I had no, no concept of what would be involved beyond putting words on a piece of paper, really, if I'm honest. <laughs> and when you wrote your first book did you know that you were writing a series um 
that's what I wanted to do to begin with. Um, so the, the first book that came out wasn't the first book that I wrote. This is where it gets a little bit more confusing. The first book I wrote ended up being the second one I published. Cut a long story short, the first one got some interest from agents, but ultimately didn't get picked up. Um, took on board a bit of feedback a few of those guys gave. Wrote the second one. That got me an agent, got me a publisher. And the publisher said, we really like the first book. What's your ideas for the series beyond this? And I thought, well, I've got another one I've already done. I didn't tell them it was already done. And I, I pulled out the same synopsis and said, what about this? Um, and they said, oh, yeah, we love the sound of that. We'll take that one as well. Um, but at that point, I looked back at the, the draft of that one and I started rereading it. I thought, oh, my God, who wrote this rubbish? That was like two years before that. And it was literally like reading somebody else's work. So in my head at first, it was going to be, yeah, I'll just change a few, tweak a few little words, change the timeline to reflect what it'll be fine. And I ended up having to rewrite the entire thing. Um, I just I just got the old draft on one window, got an, a new Word document on the other, and used that as like a, as a skeleton outline and literally rewrote the whole thing from scratch. Thank God I did, because it was the first one was awful. <laughs> Um, if you were to be transported into any of your books as a character, which book would you go into and what character? Oh, you did warn me your questions would be a little bit different. I like that one. Um, I think of, and I'm just going to stick to the, the four that I've published so far, as opposed to the, the ones that are kind of written but not published yet. I think I would probably have to go with... I'd probably go with my, my first one, the debut, What Falls Between the Cracks. Um, and in terms of what character, I'm going to be a little bit controversial and not pick the main character, Jake Porter. I'm, I would I would go for his um, his sidekick, for want of a better phrase, Nick Styles. I think um, he's he's the the DS to Porter's DI, and he's just he's probably more aligned to my sense of humour, I think, and a bit more laid back, like I am. So I, I probably gravitate more towards him. Um, yeah, if I if I had to pick, I would go for him. Tend to go for one of the bad guys, actually, but I'll I'll stick with style. <laughs> um, if ever you were to be a killer in a novel, how would you kill your characters? Slowly and painfully. Um, <laughs> I think I've I've always had a bit of a soft spot for for bad people getting away with bad things in books and films. So I I think there would have to be some kind of really uh, you know deeply well thought out scheme kind of plan almost in the kind of in the vein of um, of the Saw films like the original Saw film. So you know there's there's not much um, mileage from an author's point of view in just you know gun to head pulled trigger. I think it would, it would have to be something a bit more dastardly, like a cross between Saw and Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote, I think. <laughs> Sounds like a mission. Although um, someone asked me that and I said I'd stab them a hundred times and I still don't think they've got over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfriendly on Facebook soon after that. <laughs> no, he's asked to meet me on Saturday, actually, at Arrogate, so it's fine. <laughs> I haven't no, completely terrified him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, anyway, he hasn't met me in person, so <laughs> we'll see. Please, um, please tell me you're going to meet him with, like, a butter knife in your hand or something like that. I will now. 
Yeah. I won't tell you who it is. I'll tell you after if he was terrified or not. (laughs) (laughs) Do you hide any secret jokes or messages in your book so only a few people will understand? Yes. (laughs) Um, So I've I've got a, there's a WhatsApp group that kind of, give you the backstory. There's a, a, I don't know if you're aware of a, um, a concept called noir at the bar. So then that that migrated to a virtual noir at the bar through lockdown number one that um, Vic Watson and Simon Buick put together. And that became kind of a weekly thing. And then we started to do noir at the bar after parties where we'd basically sit up and get drunk until about three in the morning and just chat, basically. And that, and that then kind of morphed into a hardcore group who were there pretty much every week. And then the WhatsApp groups come off the back of that. So there's there's been a few private jokes Um Certainly in, in the, the fourth book, which is the most recent one, End of the Line, there are a few little Easter eggs in there. If, if you know what you're looking for, if you kind of get in the know. Um, I, I don't know if it would be entirely appropriate to kind of share exactly what they are in the backstory with <laughs> some of them, um, but they're, they're definitely there. Um, and that, that theme, I think, is going to continue because there's, there's already in at least one book by another author that's coming out. There's a few little things seeded in there as well that I'm aware of. Um, or that I know to look out for as well. And that, that just makes it all the more fun, really. <laughs> yeah, it does, I agree. <laughs> um, have you ever killed anyone else that you didn't like? That I didn't like? Oh, yeah, as in, like as in made, them, made them into a character and killed them? Yeah. Uh, yes, in a word. Um, again, just to, so it doesn't turn litigious, I won't, I won't name any specific names, but there is um, there are... Uh, at least two characters in my across my four books, just to not narrow it down, um, that have um, done wrong by some uh, people who are quite close to me, and I offered to kill them in a rather vicious way. So, kind of, it was quite cathartic for them, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, two two spring to mind in particular. Awesome. <laughs> um, how do you choose your character names? <laughs> bit of a mix to be honest um there's, there's been times where i just haven't been able to, to find one that i really like and there's, there's even there's random name generators on on google you can find so that's the kind of the far end of the spectrum um some of them literally just popped into mind as i was sketching out the character and it's, it's literally i can't put it down to anything other than just a bit of a flash of inspiration um some of them have subconsciously kind of weaved the way in there so there's there's a character in in one book who was one of the main antagonists that I genuinely wasn't intentional and I didn't realise until after I'd written it, but I combined the first name of one of my friends and the surname of his partner. Um, and I, I didn't really twig at first until one of my early readers read it and said, was that deliberate? Have you, have you mentioned that to him? I was like, oh, no, no, I, I, I didn't even realise. I'd probably change it before the final edit anyway and I forgot to change it. So it's, it's in there in, um, in book three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he read it and he was like, oh, I think he saw it as a bit of a tribute, like a nice thing. So it's all, it's all good. <laughs> oh. um, what's your most overused word or phrase that your editor shouts at you for or you get annoyed with when you're editing? Oh, there hasn't been one that they've called out, but I know exactly the kind of thing you're talking about. I used to, like personally, I used to, in everyday conversation, I used to say basically a lot for work and that was... That was just really annoying. I think in terms of the written word, it tends to be more the little things like 
you know, how many times can your character shrug in 350 pages? Um, just daft little things like that. We've got to try and come up with different ways to describe pretty much, you know, everyday gestures that crop up. You know, how many times can they like nod their head, shake their head, roll their eyes? Um, the shrug is is one that I've seen quite quite a few people comment on. Um, so it's not just me, but I, I would go if I had to pick one, it would be the shrug. <laughs> Um, do you have any phasal phobias and would you or have you written about them? I don't really know. Um, I think phobias are a really good tool to tap into as an author because not, not only does it create that kind of sense of anxiety and tension for your characters, but you're bound to tap into somebody in your readership's phobias as well. You know, especially if you, if you go with one of the mainstream ones like, you know, heights, fear of water, drowning, fire, whatever it might be. Um, but I think I think phobias in general are quite fascinating. I once, off on a random tangent, and you know, the more anyone talks to me, they do notice I go off on these quite a bit. But I once had an ex-girlfriend whose little sister had a phobia of fruit, and I didn't believe her until she chased around the room with an orange, and it was I didn't know whether to laugh or, or ask it to stop. Um, but I probably won't include that in the book because it's a bit niche. But phobias in general are, are a, a really useful kind of tool to throw in the mix. Uh, what's the most interesting thing you found doing research for your books? Um, quite a few bits and pieces, actually. There's, uh, from the published books so far, um, I, I never thought there was quite as much to know about how to cultivate your own variety of roses, how to kind of genetically breed your own quite easily and, and why people might do that. Um, so I could, I could probably have a fair stab at breeding my own varieties of roses. Um, for, for the one that is... Uh, still being tweaked by me and my agent there was there was quite a lot in terms of genetics and genetic research and I didn't realize it was possible to clone someone's um, DNA it's possible to, to grow it in a lab um, and, and fake it which I thought was a scary concept um, but yeah it can be done and, and another one actually for and, and this is more around a book that it's more of an idea but some of the scary things that are now, well, within the next couple of years are going to be possible from wearable technology. Like I'm looking at things like contact lenses are going to be powered by the motion of a blink and things that people will be able to overlay across your field of vision and, and make it like an interactive thing. So you can see menus across you. So you're not, it's not like you're wearing a big clunky kind of set of Google glasses. It's wafer thin contact lenses. <laughs> yeah, creepy. Um, what's been your favourite moment so far being an author? Um, that, that is a genuinely a hard one to pick because there's been so many. I mean, I, I remember really vividly finding out that um, I got my first publishing deal. I, I can tell you exactly where I was on. I was on an airplane. I was I sat on a runway. I'm ready to um, to join the departure gate back at Heathrow, and I got. When I switched my phone back on, I got an email through that. That was such a relief because it taken so long to get to that point. Um, through to, you know, first festival appearance, first publication day. I, I think possibly the one that, that has been proudest so far is quite a recent one. Um, back in May, I, um, I, I won the Lindisfarne Prize for Crime Fiction, which is the first actual award that I've won. 
Um, and it's just, I had a little sequence of things actually that were really cool. So I signed with my new agent in March. I got shortlisted for the Lindisfarne. Then I got longlisted for a CWA dagger for a short story. Got the short the shortlist for that, which I, I didn't ultimately win. Um, but then found out I won the Lindisfarne. It was a kind of a Sunday afternoon. And then it suddenly it was a, like a countdown on uh, on Facebook and that popped up. And I genuinely wasn't expecting to see my name. And then it suddenly popped up and I was in the kitchen with my wife and I did a proper little fist pump. Um, there, may have, there may have been a, a little bit of dancing, which no one needs to see. Um, <laughs> but that, that for me, it might, it might just be as well because it's, it's one of the more recent ones as well. But that was a pretty special moment to, to win something that isn't judged by someone I'm related to. And you know what I mean? It's like my, my, my parents and my wife read my books. And they, you know, they all have always said, "Oh, yeah, that's really good. We really like that." But it's almost in that same tone of voice as when you get your dad a pair of socks for Christmas, and he's like, "Oh, that's lovely, son. Thanks, love it." Yeah. Um, but to get externally recognised like that meant so much. And what's your biggest dream or your biggest goal? I would love to write full time for a living. That that would definitely be the dream. Like I said, I've got a nine to five day job at the minute. Um, I read an interesting article about two or three years ago that suggests that 90% of published authors roughly are in the same boat as me and only around 10% don't need a, a non-writing based income. Um, but I would absolutely love to do that um, with uh, with a mortgage and two toddlers and, and a third child at university. It's probably going to take a little while um, unless I get a, 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 a one particular book that really kind of finds a spot in the market and takes off so I'm, I'm always hopeful I'm, I'm in there with as good a shout as anyone I figure um, and I guess we'll just see but for the for the meantime it's it's doable alongside the day job I'm quite comfortable I've done a book a year I'm, I'm comfortable I could I could do two books if um, if the opportunity was there alongside the day job as well and we'll just see how things play out um, it still feels like an absolute blessing to be able to get paid for any of my writing quite frankly because it's just it's surreal to think that people are interested in stuff I make up in my spare bedroom but <laughs> um if you were able to spend a day with any author dead or alive who would you like to spend a day with I think I'd have to go with Stephen King I think if I if I look at just a, in terms of a whole body of work that I've I've read different parts of it so many different times in my life coupled together with um, the likes of his on writing book as well, that gave a really good insight in terms of his process and things that have worked for him. I just think it'd be so interesting to, to pick his brains around, because he, he's had, uh, I guess, probably a, a bit more of a, a roller coaster in the earlier years than I think a lot of people probably appreciate. Um, and to, to be able to pick his brains about what he's learned along the way, I think would be absolutely invaluable. Definitely. Um, and is there any authors that you fanboy over when you go to the festivals? Quite a few still, to be fair. I, I try not to let on. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm still at that stage. Like I said, I've been published for four years and there are so many authors at these festivals who I've read for, for significantly longer than that. And some who are more recent, um, but whose work I absolutely love. You know, the, the kind of book you read, even as an author, and I, I get to the end and just think, I wish I could write something that good. Um you know, there's there's plenty that spring to mind. There's, there's some some of the more recent authors. I guess I, um, I, I share an agent with Mike Craven, but even long before that, I've always loved Mike's books. Um, just that kind of underlying dark sense of humour that's in there. Absolutely love that. If I look at some, I guess some that have been around a bit longer, 
that really inspired me when I was first putting pen to paper. Um, some American writers in particular, Greg Isles, Harlan Coben. Um, Greg Isles in particular wrote um, a series set in Natchez, Mississippi, which if you haven't read, it's, it's one of the ones I would, it would be at the front of my recommendation list for, for so many people. And there's a trilogy within the series in particular that is one of the finest little collections, I say little, the, the, all quite, quite long books. But just the, I guess the scale and the scope of his world that he creates, but also just such a beautiful turn of phrase. Think, things that like, you, you, it's literally like poetry on the page. I will uh, make a note of that after. <laughs> Although my TBR is insane, but as I imagine is yours. Tell me about most of what you can see over my that shoulder there, most of that side with one one shelf exception. That's all the kind of the hard copy TBR. Then I've got the Kindle. Then I've got an Audible subscription as well. Um, and I've got three boxes in the other bedroom that way as well. <laughs> that are yet, yet to be unpacked since I've moved house and were with me from the last house and still haven't been read. Um, it's just, it's hard, isn't it, right? Because I've got the day job, I've got my own books. I still probably get through anywhere between 70 and 100 books a year. So it's not like I'm I'm kind of um, sitting there struggling to read, but it's just the sheer volume. And you know what it's like when you discover an author that you love for the first time and then discover they've got a massive back catalogue as well. And there's, there's so many names on that front as well. I've, I've only read one of their books and I'm thinking like, I must make time to go back and read. It's a my first world problem, right? It's, you know. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I know. There's not enough hours in a day, that's for sure. I think some of our TBRs will outlive us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although it doesn't sound like you have much, what do you like to do in your free time? To be honest, my, my free time that isn't, so I, like I say, I work nine to five. Um, I'll write when the kids are in bed um, or sometimes get up early in the morning. But the rest of free time is, is just hanging out with the family and the kids. Um, obviously more, more and more able to do that with the family these days. But having a, a two-year-old and a three-year-old is just one of the most, together at that kind of age, it's just one of the most entertaining things you can have. It's, I'm not saying it's easy all the time, but the two of them are just so funny together. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, so that, yeah, that, that's the majority of the rest of my free time is just, you know, when the kids are in bed, hanging out with my wife, or when the kids are up, it's just running around the back garden with them or take them to the beach or the woods or all that kind of good stuff. <laughs> um, who is your first celebrity crush? Celebrity crush? Kylie Minogue. Kylie Minogue and Neighbours when she had the, like, the little ringlets and stuff. I remember when I was like, 10 years old just wanting to rip Jason Donovan's mullet off for trying to marry her <laughs> you leave Jason alone he's fine <laughs> <laughs> oh he's on your list is he well you know he's not a bad looking guy I saw him actually um in um a sort of a little mini festival near where I live and um right. I was right at the front because you know um <laughs> and I was quite surprised that I remembered most of the words to his songs Please tell me you serenaded him. No, um, he didn't care anyway, but he was wearing all white anyway. And yeah, it was just fun. Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, if there's, if there's a karaoke bar in Harrogate this weekend, I might uh, put a request in for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, only if you sing highly. Oh, I suppose no, we so could you, do the trick. So I guess linking back to the question about little things that you seed into your boots. 
Um, it, for me, the, the go-to song, and it just has been for years, none of us can remember why, but there's a group of us, it has to be Band-Aid, Do You Know It's Christmas, the original version. Um, and there are a few Band-Aid references, both in my books and in um, at least one of the fellow author's books that I can think of. Awesome, that's cool. Yeah, I think I was like two when that was out. <laughs> well, it made me feel old, why don't you? <laughs> Bad. at least I was alive <laughs> true true that, that's a bonus yeah um if you were to have four famous people to a dinner party who would you invite um so I've, I've had a similar question before and it was only it was only two I think at the time I'd I think just in terms of interest and in dinner conversation I think um Stephen Fry, Darren Brown, Barack Obama, and oh, probably struggling for the fourth. And I might, I might actually pinch um, one of my earlier answers and say someone like Stephen King again. I'd, I'd like there to be some some kind of writing representation at the table as well. Sounds like fun. Can I be a fly on the wall? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there'll be, be space. We'll pull up a chair on the on the edges. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You're too kind. <laughs> I've been invited twice. I think I've been included when I asked that question. It's fine. I'm not offended. I don't take it personally. <laughs> right, we can just we'll cut that there. We'll edit. We'll do the question again. It's fine. I don't do editing. The hell no. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you? Ooh, um, to be fair, it, it, it was a little bit embarrassing. I say a little bit. It was it was quite a significant event, um, and quite recently. And it, yeah, it was a bit embarrassing. If I'm being totally honest. Um, so the the award that I mentioned that I won the Lindisfarne Prize, um, I found out on the Sunday afternoon I won it. My wife then, um, being the star that she is, decided to try and surprise me with a celebration on the night time. So she got babysitters organised. I'm almost coming round. Um, we weren't allowed to eat in restaurants back then yet still, so she'd managed to get some really nice takeaway from a, from a lovely restaurant down the coast, a few beers in the car, and we were going to drive and watch the sunset over the coast. So we got there, and she passed me a bottle of, of Corona, of all things, um, and then looked around and went, oh, no, I forgot a bottle opener. And I said, no, no, it's fine. Look, there's a brick wall over there. It's just a little trick. You just get the face, you get the bottle, just put the cap on the edge, just pop the bottle off, and it's all good. So I went over, did that, popped the top. The top didn't come off, but the neck of the bottle shattered. And it went, it, it literally went into the web there between finger and thumb. And I didn't realize how bad it was at the time. And it, it, it was a little delay before it started bleeding. And then it just, it was just pulsing out. She started laughing because she was about 30 feet away and thought I'd just broken the bottle. And then I kind of turned around and said, yeah, it's, it's actually, it's bleeding quite a bit. I, so we, we elevated it and it, it seemed to have stopped and all the while I was starving and the smell of the takeaway was driving me nuts from the car and I literally I brought my arm back down and it just started coming out again so we finished up having to go to um, A&E and uh, I drove or she drove should I say all the way up there it was still just running out so I had my hand wrapped in a plastic bag out of the window 
and the wind was whipping the plastic bag so it was whipping the blood up like like a kind of a, a blender almost so i've just got my hand stuck out the window and it looks like it's been either amputated or like crushed in something and every time we stopped at a junction people are just you know doing a double take um and i ended up spending seven hours in a and e and they, they worked out that i'd um i'd actually cut the artery in my hand so I had seven hours in A&E on the Sunday um, into the um, the RVI hospital in Newcastle on Monday for a, a plastic surgery consultation. Then I was in theatre on Tuesday getting it um, cleaned up and patched up. And, and luckily there was no nerve damage or anything like that. But that, that yeah, I felt like a bit of a, a bit of a fool, really, all over a bottle of beer. And, and I've then, because I've got such lovely friends, I've now been bought four different bottle openers. Um, one, one of which is in the, in the shape of a little man with kind of like the X's for his eyes, like a corpse. Um, so yeah, and I've I've had quite a bit of Mickey take for that one, saying that I'll go to any length as a crime writer to try and drum up publicity because obviously the side of the car I won't I won't share it now in case there's any squeamish people watching, but the side of the car was just plastered like a crime scene from a twenty minute drive to Ernie. So um, your wife must be a very patient woman. <laughs> do you know what it was? She, we we laughed most of the way up just at how ridiculous the situation was. Um, but it wasn't all doom and gloom because we got there and they sent me into a, a, a room around the back to do a bit of a triage and because of COVID, she couldn't really stay. So they went to send her home and I said, oh, just do me a little favour before she goes. Could you ask her if she can just leave one of the takeaway boxes? Because I'm starving. And they came back through with all three and they said, oh, she's just lost her appetite. So I was sat there for the best part of seven hours with some amazing chilli beef tacos, chicken and chorizo, some halloumi fries and and I had a good book on my Kindle as well, so it wasn't that bad an end to the evening, really. <laughs> nice, yeah, a bit of peace and quiet and no kids and nice food. Yeah. Sounds well, I, well, I couldn't drive for two weeks after that and I couldn't change a nappy because I had obviously I had stitches in and it was all kind of strapped up. So I did, I genuinely felt really bad for not being able to do anything for two weeks. Yeah, that's what you say now. <laughs> <laughs> but the worst part is there's not even a cool scar there now that I can like make up a really like embellished story as to how I got it so it's there's, there's nothing to see <laughs> I love it <laughs> oh dear wow that's just <laughs> um, if I were to ask your darling wife what your most annoying habits are what would she say how long have you got <laughs> um, all just, the time in the world <laughs> she yeah, got there's, there's, there's lots, lots of the usual things so I, I'm really laid back which a lot of times she, she likes because we balance out quite well um, but I'll, I'll leave like dishes on the side of the sink and in my mind I'm going to go back and do them in an hour so like, I'll, I work from, from home so I'll go downstairs I'll have my lunch I'll come back down in the middle of the afternoon when I make a cup and do the dishes but that, that drives her insane if I put things in the wrong order in the dishwasher so she likes the knives and forks to be at the back of the cutlery drawer and I'll just pop them in anywhere. Um, and I, I do snore a bit, which drives around the bend. Um, and I have a really annoying habit of, and it, obviously this doesn't happen often, whenever she's been to the doctor and had any kind of injection, like she just has recently for a second jab, it's genuinely not a conscious thing, but I always somehow manage to gravitate towards that arm. So I'll go and give her a hug <laughs> or I'll like tap her on the shoulder. Um, and it's 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 almost not funny. Well, I say almost not funny. It's not funny how often I do it because she laughs, but you can see there's that twinkle in the eye that says, "Look, the carving knife's just over there. Back off." <laughs> 
Um, so you sort of already said, but what are you working on at the moment and what's coming next for you? So in terms of the series, the series is um, is four books deep. Um, I've, I do have ideas for how that could progress, but um, that's not what I've written next. The, the next one that I've written um, hasn't actually been sent out on submission to publishers yet. So it's with my agent. Um, and that is more of a, rather than a police procedural, this one's more of a, um, it could turn into a series, but it's at the minute, it's like a high concept standalone thriller. Um, rather than the series, which is set in London, this one's set further up north. So it kind of, covers uh, Manchester, Harrogate, York, and um, North Tyneside, where I live. Um, and that, that is very much more uh, driven by something, an, an event that happens to um, a person and their loved ones and their family, rather than the police detective being the kind of the key driver for the character. So um, what I don't have yet in my mind crystallized is that kind of that one killer punchline, strap line for it. So I'd probably do it a disservice if I try to kind of rattle one off now. Um, but uh, that so that's with my agent now. I'm hoping that's going to go out on sub in the next month or two, um, with a bit of luck. Um, if uh, if someone likes what they see, that one would be the next one that would come out next year. Awesome. Well, I don't think I have any more questions for you unless you think there's anything that I haven't asked you about that you want to tell us. Uh, not that I can think of for now, except to say if you are, um, I don't know when this one's going to go live, but if you if you come into Harrogate or any of the other festivals, please do pop over and, and say hello. And that's that's one of the highlights of being a writer for me is, is the social side of things. Like I said before, I never really appreciated that that existed. Um, and when I first started to go to those as an author, uh, sorry, as a, as a reader, I know I was kind of a little bit like, my God, I'd like so-and-so's at the bar, I, I, can I go over and talk to him? Um, Whereas actually, the, you know, all the crime writers that I've, I've met are just such a lovely bunch and really, really welcome. So if you, if you come along these things, come along and, and give me a shout and uh, we're gonna, we can talk about all things crime fiction over a few beers. If you don't come along, then you really should. And just before we go, would you like to remind everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can buy your books? Yes, indeed. So um, the, 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 I guess the one-stop shop for everything is, is my website, robertscrag.com. Um, but you see me on all the usual places on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, my books are available through all the, the usual um, outlets like the uh, uh, Waterstones, Amazon. Um, got some really great local independents as well. Uh, if I look at kind of my neck of the world, it's um, Forum Books and the Bound in Whitley Bay. Um, and I think more ever, more, more so than ever, I think really I would I would love people to to drive back into those indie bookstores and um, and, and help some of those businesses too. So, but yeah, you can find me on any of those platforms. And also, quick shout out, I'm part of a, a group called the Northern Crime Syndicate. Um, if you're looking for some more recommendations, and we do and have been doing a series of virtual events through all of the lockdowns, and I think we're going to do a, a mixture of face to face and virtual. Now we're allowed. Um, but we've got some excellent authors in there as well, like of Trevor Wood, um, Rob Parker, Chris McGeorge, Fiona Erskine, Adam Peacock, and who I missed out, Judith O'Reilly. Um, so please do pop on, have, have a little look at some of the events we run, because all the online ones we do are free. You can come along and, and just join in and watch, and it's quite participative. Um, we do a thing called Whose Crime Is It Anywhere, where you help us design a, um, a, a crime story in the space of an hour. Which is quite good fun so keep an eye out for the next one of those they're pretty cool awesome i will and when i see i will post it on my group as well so fabulous thank you very much yeah thanks for having me